0: Two kids and a career is a production of Jill Divine Media. Jill, you and I are in Missouri. In our state today, tonight, when you and I go to bed, there are fifteen hundred children in our state that are legally available to be adopted through foster care. And if you don't believe me, because this might sound like that's a lot of kids, and across our country. The number is 120,000 kids who Ooh. legally belong to the state that they're in and are available to be adopted.
1: Oh, that makes my stomach turn a little bit. That's a, that's a that's like a village. Evoke Creative is a proud sponsor of two kids and a career. They help small business owners like me brand with purpose and market with intent. The ladies at Evoke Creative will help make your digital presence known. Learn more at evokecco.com. That's evokecco.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. One of the topics that I feel has been lacking on this podcast is something that I wrote down a long time ago as potential topics that I wanted to cover, but I wanted to have the right person on. I wanted to make sure that the information I was providing, it wasn't just hearsay or just thoughts. It had to be somebody that knew what they were doing. And that topic is adoption. And I have had people... On This podcast that have talked about it a little bit. Maybe they know a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend, but it's just not talked about enough. And there are a couple of things that I have seen that have made me go, huh? about adoption. And I'm hoping that my guests can answer some of those or say, yeah, that's true or that's not true. So let me welcome to the podcast, Marcy Bersack. Hi, how are you doing?
0: Jill, I feel like I'm a babbling mess. Like I'm I'm on the other side of the headphones, like my eyes are just tearing up because I'm so excited (laughs) to talk about something that I'm so passionate about and something that I'm hopeful that your listeners are going to gain some great insights from.
1: So you are an adoptive mom, a podcast host and author of the forgotten adoption option and how we got connected is through, well, it started with social media. I had made a post that said, what do you want to hear covered in season five? And a girl that I went to, junior high and high school with. Her name is Jamie. Hi, Jamie. (laughs) Jamie. She adopted and she had said adoption. And she specifically mentioned your name and said, this is the person that you need to get on. And of course, you know, I I have to do a little research. And I did. And I was like, well, yeah, this sounds completely legit. Like she knows what she's doing. And then when I started reading some more, it, it made me realize like I have no clue about adoption because there's foster care adoption there's foster care there's adoption i mean i'm just kind of like i don't even know where to begin but what i have heard from people that i know who have thought about adopting or did go through the adoption process it is difficult and it is long and it is costly and sometimes these people would just give up because it's too hard and i'm thinking to myself well I don't know the exact number, but I know that there are a lot of babies or even young children that need homes. And why is this process so hard? So I'm hoping you can school me, you can help somebody else that might be considering adoption and talk about all the things.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy to, to debunk some of those things and to demystify them. From my own personal experience, I'll be really honest and tell you, that I had the same sort of questions and was similarly confused. And it took me five years to figure that out. And that is part of what propelled me during the pandemic. I took a um, parenting class at my church and really just felt like I'm supposed to write down my story now. Like I'm in a pandemic. I usually have people in my home. They usually want to know how my, my husband and I did this. And we usually answer any and everything they, they want to talk about. And it's like a two hour thing and it's really informal And it's the pandemic, and we can't do that. And a neighbor who had just moved in, we both have small chihuahuas, and we saw each in the morning one time, and she said, Marcy, can you tell me, like, how this adoption thing works? And I had this aha moment of, I actually need to write it down for you. And so my neighbor actually served as one of my editors, and I wrote the book to people just like her that had never... Figured out any of this stuff because it's really hard to figure it out, and the co- process is so complicated. And so, with that said, you know, you mentioned that it's difficult, and you mentioned that there's not a lot of information out there. One of the things that I want to see long term, Jill, is I want to see our states, like in in the public education realm. I want to see us in high school learning about family expansion options. And like, we're talking like all the different ways you can add to your family size, right? Like how cool if adoption and all these different ways to adopt could be mentioned when you were like a teenager and maybe that's like so far from your mind at that point. But at the same time, like you would be aware and informed of how to choose your future for my family. My husband and I knew really early in our dating relationship that we wanted to choose adoption as our plan A. So I actually don't know if I can biologically conceive children. I've never tried. Um, okay. I just know that we we really wanted to adopt and that was driven. I had gone on several international missions trips to orphanages. And like I knew in those moments that I was going to bring someone home. And on the other side of the coin, my husband, his paternal grandfather in the 1920s was orphaned in St. Louis and grandpa Sam had an older brother and an older sister and they were both adopted. Grandpa Sam never was. (sighs) And he was like around age seven. He would sleep in the back of grocery stores, work on farms. Like he really had no family unit, like the siblings he had ended up moving out of state. And so my husband, as we kind of try to figure out like, what are we going to do? Like, how do we mobilize our vision on adoption? He said, Marcy, I think we should adopt kids in our own backyard, like grandpa Sam, like what if we could find grandpa Sam and help him. And so as we started going through the process, one of our questions was how many kids and I come from a very large family and my husband comes from a very small family. So he landed on two, two is my max. And I was like, but I wanted a bus. Like I was ready to like, 12 little girls and two straight lines. Like I was ready to align it, right? And he was like two. And so I spun it and said, okay, two is fine, but I want to do siblings because I came from a family of four kids and I know that I would never have wanted to be separated from them. So to really just like, if there was one soundbite that people out there are like, I don't understand what adoption, like what are all my choices? Okay, so here you go. You could adopt an infant, which this is like usually a small newly born child through what is called infant adoption. It's a private program. You're going to spend out of pocket on average across the country, about $34,000 going through the process. And it might take you between two and seven years. I have many friends that have done this. I have financially invested in them doing this. It's a great option if your heart is to maybe help a mother who is electing to um, terminate rights to her child. So that's That's one option, infant adoption. Another option is international adoption. International adoption is just like it sounds. It's children from other countries. They are a wide range of ages. You're going to spend out of pocket between having to travel that country multiple times and paperwork and so on and so forth, $30,000 per child. And it can take you between one- in five years. And this is data sharing from adopt.org, childwelfare.gov, adoptuskids.org, and Dave Thomas Foundation.org. So these are like legitimate numbers that they have pulled to help understand this process. So you've got infant, you've got international adoption, and then this is where people get super confused: is there's foster care adoption. And those three words like are really weird together. Like foster care is like a thing. And then adoption is a thing. But when you do foster care adoption, it gets like really convoluted. So we have to do a little, we have to break the words down. So we're going to start with foster care (laughs) because that's how we get to the adoption piece. So foster care is intended to help children who need a safe and loving home to have a temporary safe and loving home outside of their biological family while their primary caregivers, usually mom and or dad, whoever that is, need to work on some issues. And there, there usually was abuse or neglect that led to the children or child being taken out of their, their home environment. So foster care exists to temporarily help children have a place to be. So here's what happens. Children are in foster homes. And 50% of the time, they reunify, which is like a fun term, meaning they go back to their biological families. So they go they go back. Like the biological family was able to work on the things the children are able to go back and they can carry on their lives in a stronger, healthier way. But if you did the math, 50% is only half, right? Mm -hmm. So half of the children do not go back to their biological family. So this doesn't mean like when a child goes into foster care, that very first time they aren't going back. Like it's over the time. So most kids spend time in foster care kind of peppered. Like my children, for instance, we met when my daughter was a week from being three years old and my son was four. And this will... Sound of sounding. We were their seventh home <gasps> in that amount of time. And we were seventh because they kept going back and forth to biological family members. Mm-hmm. And they were so, so young. So so foster care adoption then is the, the second 50% of kids. They're kids who do not reunify with their biological families. And what ends up happening, and this whole process takes about two years, is while children are in foster care, going through all these legal things that have to happen and visits and so forth, there comes a time where parental rights are terminated. And different but similar to infant adoption, the biological parents can actually give up their rights or the state might terminate them. So those are like some things to be aware of. And when the rights are terminated, children are legally free to be adopted. And Jill, you and I are Missouri. In our state today, tonight, when you and I go to bed – there are 1,500 children in our state that are legally available to be adopted through foster care. And if you don't believe me, because this might sound like that's a lot of kids. And across our country, the number is 120,000 kids who legally belong to the state that they're in and are available to be adopted. And just so everyone knows, you don't have to live in the same state as the child to adopt them. However, maybe... You're like me, and like you're privately thinking about these things, but you haven't told anyone, or you and significant other haven't told anyone. What you can do right now is you can go to a website. It's called adoptuskids.org. And there is a database of pictures and short paragraphs for a lot of these children. So you can actually start looking at individual kids, sibling sets, what have you. You can search by ages. You can do all these things and see all these children that are ready and legally available to be adopted.
1: Oh, that makes my stomach turn a little bit. Okay. That's
0: a lot of kids. That's 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 like a village.
1: Yeah. I'm going to interrupt the conversation with Marcy for just a minute because I want to highlight one of the sponsors of the podcast, which happens to be Evoke Creative. Something that we have talked about, a lot about in several episodes, social media, the power of it, whether it's good or bad, it can have a major impact on you. And I know one thing now being a business owner and promoting this podcast and promoting the website JillDivine.com, which Evoke Creative designed for me, you want to make sure that what you put on social media is a true representation of what you do and what you offer. And it's one of the things that I'm bringing up to you because with Evoke Creative, they really need to show you if you are going to make your digital presence be known with their help, they want to show you exactly what you're getting. And so I know what I like to do is if I'm going to be working with someone, I will kind of stalk their social media and make sure things look good and make sense. And I I say all this because when I look at Evoke Creative's social media, I see that it is perfect. Um, Like they have a blog series about starting a business. They have this post about help i don't know what to post so they are putting their money where their mouth is if that makes sense if you are a small business and you are looking to rebrand or you're brand new to the biz you should go with evoke creative they help you brand with purpose and market with intent evokecco.com it's evokecco.com all right back to the conversation with marcy um Lots of questions, and I know you have uh, a lot still more to tell, but okay. So the things that I have heard or read, are you're familiar with Rachel Hallis, right? Yes. Or no? Okay. So when I read her book, Girl, Wash Your Face, she talked about how they... Is I don't I can't remember. Did they adopt two of the four of their kids? Two are biological, and I think two are adopted. I think I can't remember. But anyway, she talked about the foster care and that in that world, and I'm totally paraphrasing and summarizing that they basically went through hell because somebody from the biological family of the kid would find out that that child was in their house or then they would call the people in charge of all of this and say that Rachel and her husband were drug addicts. And then the agency would have to come in and they'd have to talk to everybody. And it was like, what, what are you talking about? And she did just touch on it just a little bit. She just said, I just want to let you know that this is a very broken system and this is what happens. We just want to give someone a loving home. My other thing with that is, you know, I have heard from someone that did do adoption and and thought that they were getting their baby and, and uh, this is really It's easy to judge and assume. But to hear that, no, we want to keep the baby because we're going to get more money from the government. And immediately I'm like, what are you talking about? So we are going to sacrifice the love given to a child. Obviously, those people aren't in their right minds. I'm going to have to just throw my hands up and say that because if I were to keep thinking about that and think about what environment this child is, I would I would lose my mind.
0: They're crazy stories, right? So let me let me um, kind of put some color to what the two examples are that you just mentioned. So the first one from Rachel Hollis, what you described sounds like a family that signed up to be foster parents that means they were signed up to help the children reunify and the children over time became eligible to be adopted so that some people say and i like there are people that don't like this word it's like a like a bad term but some say that's foster to adopt okay and that happens i adopted my children through foster care they were considered a legal risk placement meaning the parental rights were almost terminated, near terminating. They were like, we need to find these children a home that can adopt them because they're very likely to become one of the 1500 waiting children in Missouri. So my story is a different part of that because you can, if you want to go into foster care, some people say, well, go into foster care and then you can adopt. I don't advise that. If you want to be a foster parent, like your heart needs to be in helping children reunify. And those children are not, quote, your long-term children until that happens. So my husband and I had to check our heart because we had only gotten a license to adopt through foster care. And then we were presented an opportunity with our children. We saw no photo. We saw small paragraphs. Like it's so strange. Like it was like an online dating profile without pictures. And we committed to them with a very, very short meeting and reading inches of paperwork. And We had to sign foster parent licensing in order to have them in our home for what we were told was four months, what became 18 months. So I'm going to reiterate that what you were told is hell. It's emotionally a lot. You really have to be mentally and your heart has to be ready. Like if you've got some, and I talk about this in my book, The Forgotten Adoption Option, that like if there are kinks in your life, like I had childhood stuff that I'd never talked to anyone about. I went through counseling before parenting my children because I wanted to make sure I could fully be present with them. So all of that said, um, to just put a little more color to Rachel's story, you can be what's called hotlined. And this is where a call the people in charge, using air quotes. And this happened to us. Like we actually got hotlined by a counselor that our children were going to. And it was a really delicate, weird thing. It was a misinterpreted behavior that my daughter exhibited. And I'll kind of like leave it at that because I really want to protect my children in that way. But we had to navigate someone's pointing fingers at us saying we were doing something. Um, But equally, I have hotlined the biological family of my children because after a family visit there were behaviors we saw and we're like this isn't okay so it goes both ways and it's just kind of part of that that paradigm so you just have to be aware and i mentioned this in my book too that like you are going to be hotlined like if you're dealing with children and foster care you are and it doesn't matter like if you're doing the right thing and i think we were in our situations or if something's misconstrued, or like if you are abusing the children that you have in your care, like you are going to be hotlined. And it's just part of kind of the the fishbowl that you live in because you're under a lot of eyeballs when you're legally in limbo and you're not legally a forever family. Like it's just kind of part of the turf for better for worse. Um, But your second story um, is a really interesting one because you talk about an infant adoption and a mother electing to keep her child for financial reasons. I actually spent 12 years in social service, Jill, so I might have a different opinion and spin on this than some think about because I, I have worked with women who are single moms who are low income, who are unemployed, underemployed, and those decisions. I mean, if, if we if we put ourselves in what we think is their shoes, and I, and I think about it that way, and I think. I don't necessarily know what to do. I've got a lot of just drama in my life in general, because if I'm already in poverty and I can't afford this child and I need government supports like that, there's a lot going on in my life that's unstable. Right?
1: right. And then on
0: top of it, my family who is likely in a similar situation to me is informing my decision. And we listen to our families, even if we don't like what they say, we listen. And so while I'm, may or may not agree with what she did. I can understand how she got there. And at the same time, like if I was having a biological child, whether it was my first or like a, a mom, I know locally it was her fifth and she had to choose. Do I, I I'm in poverty. Like I can't even keep my electric on. Do I put my, my, my fifth child up for adoption? Cause I have my first four. Like those are not light decisions. Um, whether you're the biological parent or the adoptive parents, those are not light decisions. And so I think it's super complicated sometimes when we can see some of these decisions and it it, it seems so clear, right? It seems so clear of like, well, you can't afford this child, but I could, and I could do a better job. And to be really like, to kind of parallel that to my own story, um, my children, their biological family was in a situation of poverty. And there were times when in my head, Jill, I thought, this is so hard because the opportunities, I, and, I, and this is before we knew that we legally had a court date set and the term the, the parental rights have been terminated. I, I knew that the life that my children would end up with would be different because of where they would grow up. But I also had to check my heart in that and realize you can have a life, a good life, regardless of your economics. Like right. you, you, you. It doesn't matter. Like there are n- a number of people that felt loved and don't know any better than what they grew up in. And so it's not an economics thing. It's not, well, I can afford to send you to this, or you can live in this better community or that. And like, while those things are true, I would question, like, is that really what makes a better family?
1: My initial reaction was just that there's this baby. And again, I did say I'm judging and assuming, and that's, we all know what happens when you do that. But I just thought, Why are you putting a price tag on a baby? This like innocent little being and you're, I don't know. They could be the most loving family ever. And like you said, if they're in poverty, it doesn't mean that they don't get to love. And it's, and I've never even thought about, you know, the money and being able to buy all the things or provide all the things I care about the love. I. Mm -hmm. That's me, one hundred percent, across the board. Like I just want these kiddos to be loved. You've know probably firsthand. Like if you're in just the development of their brains at such a young age is so critical to who they become as adults, and that's what scares me.
0: Right, because there are certain patterns that can be repeated, and there, you know, and part of that's because of the environment you grow up in, and so it's hard, right? Because it's like, is there a line on when we question these things, and it, it just gets really complicated. But back to your point of like a price tag, if you think about Maslow's. And this is me coming from my social service heart. But like, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if, if the basic needs are food and shelter and love, and this mom is thinking, I need food and shelter and love, then for her, the financial gain, if you will, of, of being able to be fed, because I mean, that money's going to help her live her livelihood. Yeah, it sounds like that was that was I mean, she's such a, a primary level in in her needs that that I mean, she's thinking I need to survive, I need to live, I don't want to be hungry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm thankful for you to provide that perspective cuz I know I'm not the only one that probably felt that way or feels that way. I think it's it's one of those things when it comes to kids, you know, of course there has to be a super wa- watchful eye like more than you would even imagine and then You know, you think, well, gosh, like you said, I'm I'm doing everything right. Like I'm not a threat. And why are these people coming after me? But I I guess that's just the nature of this. That's what has to be done. You want the safety of these kids.
0: Exactly. And there's kind of this ownership struggle is what I'll call it, where as, as the biological family to empathize with what I experienced, they, so my children, their biological parents were teenagers when they had my children and they did not marry. And so Missouri considers those separate people. And then they weren't co-parenting my children or their children, whatever our children. And so it, it got really complicated and what got really complicated in that is, is the ownership one feels right. Like when your children are in foster care is the biological parent, you're their parents. And like, you expect them to call you mom and dad. And I remember picking our children up to bring them to our home. And and my children lived a five-hour drive across state. And it was like a very rare thing that this would happen. But in their community, Jill, there is one foster home, one. And my children were living there. They are a temporary foster home. And this couple lives on a farm and they're in their 70s. That's all they have in this whole community. And I remember on the drive back, a friend of ours had loaned us their SUV and said, we need you to take this. You just need to have all the space you can. We had like little sedan cars at the time and said, just take this across state. Please just bring your children home. And I had taken the advantage of the back seat and asked my husband on the drive back, like, I want to sit in the middle because I want to be with our children. Like, I want to be in the back seat in the middle. I was the youngest in my family. I love that spot anyway, but I can like hold their hands or just at least be there. Like, I don't know what they're going to want to do or not do. But I remember telling them, you know, we're Nathan and Marcy And you can call us that, or you can call us mom and dad. And, and it kind of evolved over time on what they called us. And eventually like I was mommy Marcy. And so we had different terms, but you would have thought that I'd committed like a deadly sin, Jill, because we'd go to biological family visits. And at the end of them, we weren't present for the visit, but we dropped the children off and pick them up. They might say, Hey mom to me. And you would have thought that like I struck death because can you imagine that's your biological child and they're calling someone else with your title. And so there, there's just this like kind of territorial riff that is just part of the paradigm. I don't have an exact solution for it, but it's like we tried to be really open with our children, letting them make the, the, the choices of whatever you want to call us is fine. Like you don't have to call us mom and dad. But at the same time, I remember one of the things my dad told me early in is he said, Marcy, he said, be careful to not be like Disney World, like don't have the Disney World effects. And I was like, dad, what are we talking about? And he was like, you need to understand where your children are coming from. And so if they're normal was playing in a park like this, but your normal is going to the zoo like that, like you need to kind of scale and understand it, It's sort of like in the same way that I would imagine families that have blended families, and maybe there's two sets of households children live in, right? Like one might be able to do certain things and the other doesn't or vice versa. And so we had to like kind of fact find and understand like what was normal for our children. So we weren't giving them like an overly lavish lifestyle that was very, you know, starkingly different from what they had already had before. So it's a really delicate relationship.
1: Okay. So Marcy, I have all the questions again. I have so many more. I want to learn a little bit more about your kiddos too, but you have a lot of helpful tips that I know someone is listening and they want to hear it. So would you stick around for a part two and we can continue the conversation? Absolutely. Before I get to that Supermom shout out, I want to shout out the ladies behind Evoke Creative, evokecco.com, evokecco.com. They are responsible for jilldevine.com, where you can listen to this podcast They really took the different ideas that I had and made them come to life. And I'm talking about the different ideas of what I wanted my website to be, what I wanted the brand to be, what I wanted to represent. They'll do the same for you. It doesn't matter if you are a business of one or a business of 100. EvokeCCO.com. It is time for this week's Super Supermom Shoutout. And the nomination is a little different than past nominations. So the nomination came through my Instagram, at Jill Devine, and it's from Nan. And she is nominating Steph of St. Charles. She says, Steph is awesome and is a great mom. She's raised two of her own. And she's a grandma to two. She's been a science teacher, so she has helped raise many more. And after a very helpful parenting assist last week with my own teenage girls, I told Steph she should write a book. She's a hoot. And I'm sure that her daughter, Addie, would second this one. Well, Nan had tagged Addie in the Instagram post, and Addie chimed in and said, I second this. My mom juggled being a young single mom with grace. She powered through college while raising me on her own, went on to finish her master's degree, and has had a 25 plus year career in the education field, all while managing to be an incredible mother to me and my sister, and a wonderful wife to my stepdad. She shows up for everyone in her life, for her family, her students, her friends, and her coworkers. She is amazing and so deserving of all the credit. I hope someday I'm half the mother she is. And then she said, hashtag yay mama. Steph, I see you and I support you. If you have a super mom nomination, all you have to do is email me hello at jilldevine.com or nominator through my Instagram at Jill Divine, or on Facebook, Jill Devine Media. However you want to do it, just tell me about that special mom in your life. And I would just be so honored to give her that shout out on an episode of Two Kids and a Career. And speaking of Two Kids and a Career, thank you for your support. Can I ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast? So depending on how you're listening to this episode right now will depend on if you have the ability to rate and review. But if you do have the option, I would really appreciate it. It just helps get in the hands of others. So thank you so much, as always, for listening and for the support of Two Kids and a Career.